Welcome to the Student Startup Podcast. We develop first-class students for first-class service. Student Startup is the internship for entrepreneurs, not just for future business owners, but for any student who wants to reject childish ways and spend their years as a student interning as an adult. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the first of our four-part Fall Startup Life webinar series. I'm joined by my good friend, Abraham Rodriguez. Abe, thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. Our topic today is a business plan for your education. But let's, let's take a step back and let's ask the question why. The reason we're going through this business plan for your education you know, an entrepreneurial approach to your life in general is because we think there's something special in the DNA of an entrepreneur. You see, entrepreneurs, they solve problems and they create win-win situations. When they solve a problem and create a win-win, they're doing two things. One is they're serving people. That's what we're called to do as human beings is to love your neighbor. And at the same time, they are also stewarding resources. So they're being profitable. They're serving people. They're stewarding resources, or to put it differently, they are producing more than they consume to make that happen. That's simple value creation. In the same way that a farmer takes a seed and puts it in the ground and it grows something like wheat. Wheat is more valuable than seed. They've created value. And then a, a baker takes that wheat and turns it into flour, which turns it into bread. And that becomes something even more valuable. And then Chick-fil-A comes along and makes the best chicken sandwich in the history of the world. <laughs> that's value creation. That's entrepreneurship. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to apply that mindset to education. So let me quickly introduce our guest today. Abe Rodriguez is one of my best friends. He is one of, uh, along with myself and a few others, a founding board member of Student Startup. And Abe is really the best student I know, which is why he's here today. I've, I've done classes with him. We, we got tight during college. And so, Abe, I'm going to ask you to kind of introduce yourself. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about your education story. My understanding is education for you began learning English in Garden City, Kansas, and it ended, well, his education never ends. Friends, listen to this. Abraham got college paid for twice. So if you're, if you're wanting to learn how to maximize education, he's a guy you can learn from. So Abe, tell us a little bit about your story and catch us up to today. Yeah, well, thanks for the high praise. I think calling me the best student is uh, it's a stretch, man. I, I'm, I'm a good learner. And as I think about the things that I've gotten down is I've just realized what I need to learn and what I need to go and to enjoy that process. And so really, I think it's someone who falls in love with the process of learning things that kind of succeeds in that space. And, you know, where you were talking about growing up, I mean, I was lucky enough that I started out in elementary school, like there's a Spanish program where you got to learn Spanish for the first couple of years and they taught you in Spanish and then slowly transitioned over to English. And I don't look at that as anything crazy or special, but sharing that. I think it was so valuable to get those two dimensions, right? And this just different approach to education. And I guess when I think about what started shifting for me, it was first grade. I remember not being able to add and subtract. And there was this para who taught me how to use my fingers to add past 10 
And Joe, to this day, I still use my fingers to add past 10. Now, I've gotten a little bit better at mental math, but you ask my wife, she will let you know it will kick my butt if I'm adding past 10. So there's definitely those things that I'm just like, yep, I haven't knocked that out of the park yet. But that process of learning that I was talking about started with reading. Like I, would, I was a crazy reader. I, I would go to the school, show up and just consume a ton of content. And then just got my mind, like opened up my mind and I started looking at other ideas and, and thinking about the world differently. And I just got excited about learning and discovering. And so ultimately just kind of came down to curiosity. And when I started approaching the world with some curiosity, I started chasing the things that interested me instead of worrying about memorizing. I was looking at like, why does it work this way? Why is it that way? And started asking different questions and that shift started helping me really start to enjoy school because it was tough, you know, elementary, intermediate to middle school. And I went from being an average student to just honor classes and AP classes. And ultimately, a combination of different things, I ended up going to school at Wichita State. And Joe, I got to meet you there. And man, I could go into a ton of more details, right? But I got an accounting degree and now I'm in IT and I've done a bunch of other things. And I could, we could talk through that journey here in a little bit, but uh, gotten to learn about stuff. And I always joke that I learned on YouTube, everything I know. So yeah. Yeah. Hey, fantastic, dude. Thanks for sharing that story. A couple points I want to I want to pull out here. There was a, a growth mindset moment where you fell in love with learning and stretching your abilities. I, I heard that kind of late middle school, early high school is when that real curiosity kicked in. And then I also saw this desire to not stop learning when the class was done. You mentioned learning on YouTube. You mentioned going to college. You mentioned moving to Wichita. So was college always a given for you, Abe? Did you know you wanted to go to college? Why, why did you decide to make that investment in your future? There's a space of time, especially in high school, where I was just looking at, I wanted to stay in garden. I wanted to, you know, build some roots there and figure out where, where I could, you know, get plugged into my church serve and, and figure out a good job. And I ended up landing an internship uh, when I was in high school working for the same gentleman my dad worked for at a dealership. And it was to that experience that I got exposed to helping run a business and what it took to run a business and you know what 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 went into being an entrepreneur. And what I kept running into is I didn't understand financials. Like when you put a financial statement in front of me, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. If you wanted me to explain, you know, profit, losses, return on investment, I just couldn't answer those questions. And as I started thinking, if I'm ever going to be effective and create value for people, myself, and if I ever want to be a business owner, I need to understand accounting because that's going to be the language that people are going to use to talk. And so I decided there and then I don't want to be an accountant, but I want to be in business. And so I'm going to go to college to get that background that I need and ultimately get a skill that I can use to earn a paycheck with the mindset that I want to go run businesses or be a part of a business, help grow a business long term. And that's actually what drove me there. It wasn't, oh, I set off to go to college. It was, I needed it. And there was information that I was missing. There was knowledge I was missing. And I knew I wouldn't get far without it. Abe, you, you really couldn't have set that up better, my friend. To talk about your journey of experiencing business, working for a small business, running a small business, and that's what drove you 
to seek more knowledge. And friends that are listening to this, that you're running businesses and you might hit a wall and say, oh, I don't know how to do this. Or, I, don't, I don't know how to do that. That is your motivator to take school seriously, to, to take knowledge acquisition seriously and go, go find that. That should motivate you because running a business, you have to have so many different skills. You are going to see gaps. Those gaps are an opportunity to grow yourself. So Abe, thank you for sharing that. Well, friends, here's where we're going during the rest of this webinar. We've talked a little bit about who Abraham is, and we're going to put him on the spot, and we're going to ask him simple questions, really easy questions, like, what is the purpose of education? Why does it matter? We're going to ask Abraham to define what is an entrepreneurial approach to education. And then finally, we're going to ask him, what are some pro tips? Like, how does that actually look? So that, that's where we're going. So Abraham, why don't we start off with that first question? Let's start with why, you know, what is the purpose of education? Why spend time doing this? I'd love to hear your answer and I'll, I'll share a few thoughts as well. Yeah. Let's start with that word, right? Education. If we're thinking about education as a building with four walls that you go to, that's not what I have in mind, right? I don't think of education as an institution or a thing you go to. It's a, it's an experience. It's something you live out and it's something that will always be occurring. And so the value of education and learning, gaining knowledge is you will grow as a person. You'll learn new things. You'll appreciate things. It'll improve the way you enjoy things. Like it'll help you appreciate stuff that you don't know today and enable you to do things you can't do today. If you can't change the oil on a car, learning that if that's something you want will enable you to do something you can't do today. If you want to take a database and migrate it to the cloud, that's something you could go learn and use to create value for yourself or just find fulfillment in. That applies to everything that we do, right? Like we're going to spend the rest of our lives learning new things. It starts the moment we're born and it stops the moment we go to heaven. That's right, man. That's right. I want to underline, Abraham talked about developing useful skills. And that's like at the, at the center of what education is about. We talk about, you know, serving others. It gives you more options for how you can serve others when you develop those skills. For our day job, company we, we work for, talks about three steps to education. Like there, there's three parts of, of the purpose of that. Abraham hit on those last two really clearly. It starts, however, with discovering your God-given abilities. Each of us is unique and different. So as you are learning about the world and how it's put together and, you know, oil goes downhill and, you know, it, water freezes at 32 degrees and all those, all those fun things. You're also discovering about yourself. Like, what are the things you know, you'll be sitting in class and you'll be say, Oh, that, that really makes sense to me. Everybody else seems to be struggling. I wonder if this is a gift of mine or you'll be out meeting new people. You say, Oh, wow. I, I love meeting new people or you'll be you know, fixing something and it just comes naturally. Each of us has gifts, but they're raw gifts that must be developed. So first is you discover your individual gifts and abilities. Second is you develop those into useful skills. And then third, you deploy those to create value for yourself and others. You, you get busy doing things. You guys heard about Abraham running a business when he was high school, working for a business when he was in high school 
did a number of leadership type things, gave him reps at doing, which is one of the best ways to learn. So Abe, as we think about discovering, developing, and then deploying your abilities, anything else you add that in terms of the, the purpose of education? You, you knocked it out of the park there, just outlining how that stuff comes together. Someone may have raw talent and it'll get them really far, but at some point they'll run into a spot where they're going to need someone to help them refine that, take it to the next level. I mean, even star players need coaches. That's right. All right, Abe, let's get to the entrepreneurship part. As you think about an entrepreneurial approach, thinking like a business owner when it comes to education, what does that sound like in your mind? Yeah. And when you start thinking of the skills you have as the product that if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to sell a product, right? If you're, you're starting a business, you've got to identify what am I going to sell? The skill set that you bring to the table, I would argue when you think about your education is that product. And so when you're thinking about what am I going to go learn? What am I going to go grow in thinking about how that will position you to create value for other people? And that the skill set that you're pursuing or, or developing or acquiring is actually going to transform somebody's life and create value for them. And so think of your education as the product you are selling as an entrepreneur and that mentality the who needs this, what customer needs this product applies in a lot of ways to the skills you bring to the table that you're going to develop and grow as you go pursue an education. Can you tell us maybe what that looks like in your own life? So again, to, to brag on one of my favorite people, Abraham was awarded the Bill and Melinda Gates scholarship. They would pay for his undergrad, his master's, his doctorate, all for free. He was also awarded the Gore Scholarship, largest leadership scholarship in Kansas. So Abraham literally had a blank check to pursue any type of education that he wanted to. So Abe, I want you to walk us through your decision-making process and maybe flesh out some of these principles you're, you're talking about. Yeah. You know, it goes back to that internship I had, understanding business, helping with the startup of a business, running my own business. And try to understand, you know, what's going to make it profitable? Is it going to grow long-term? I quickly realized if I wanted to do that for a larger organization, a bigger company, I couldn't knock on the front door, get in the door and immediately say, hey, I want to run your company. Someone was going to look at me and say, well, that's nice, but we're not going to trust you with that. And there's this reality that I needed to be able to create value and earn that trust and influence and then get to a place where I could create value and not destroy that business, right? To really help them. And that's where I said, if I'm going to have the background to help a business thrive, understanding the language, what, like what drives performance was essential. And I looked at and I saw accounting being that vehicle that was most universal that I could apply no matter what the context was, I knew if I wanted to do anything in business, that was going to be necessary. And so I looked at it and I said, anyone will pay me to do this work. It doesn't matter where I go work. Someone needs an accountant. It doesn't matter what type of business I'm involved in. Accountants come into play and it can be my way to get my foot in the door. 
and make it past the front door and, and build relationships to get to a place where I could be in leadership or help influence, you know, where the direction of the business. So Abe, that was what, 10, 12 years ago when you were finishing up your degree, going through that. Since then, you joined the team at Coke Industries, did accounting for about five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me the rest of the story. Yeah. You know, I started out just really, really simple entry level accounting, got into tax and, and finance, and then was given a small opportunity to run a, a small set of books for a smaller company that they had, was faithful there. And that led to a bigger opportunity to take care of the books for the entire company and kind of report to management. And, and now I'm suddenly telling the story of how our business is making and losing money. And they said, you know, we, we'd love to get this information sooner. And so that led to us needing to build something completely new. And that experience helped me realize how technology plays into a business and, and, and their systems and how we can use that to create you know, information and gather knowledge to help people make decisions. And that led me to get a, a role in IT. And, and through those projects, uh, just learned new skill sets. I learned so much about what I didn't know. See, starting out, I thought I knew way more than I actually did. I was convinced I had the skill set. I was convinced I had the knowledge and I could perform. And I quickly realized just how much I really had to learn before I appreciated everything that goes into business and making it successful, delivering great products and, and doing that across the world, right? And not just at a small scale. And so I got to interact with people from London and people from Australia and France and, and Brazil and, and Canada. And it was just so neat to realize how big the world was. And it was humbling when I started realizing just how much I didn't know all it made me realize was I need to learn more. I need to get a new skill set. I need to improve in this area. And so I was just consistently identifying the need to learn more because I didn't know how to serve that group or meet that need. But it was ultimately those needs and those opportunities that I saw. I could have said, oh, I'm not smart enough or I don't have what it's going to take. I always took time to go learn those skills and come back and say, hey, I'm interested in this opportunity or, hey, I was given this opportunity and I need more time, but I think I can do it. Those things came together and ultimately I got out of accounting, got into IT, I left and then I got to play a role in a, a ministry here in Wichita and got to be in leadership there and help build a team and working with students and then came back to Coke and now I'm in IT. And so all those experiences I've just described were driven by seeing a need, an opportunity and saying, hey, I think I could do that. I might need to learn something or I might need to bring somebody else along to help me and I need, need to build a team. But throughout the whole journey, I think it was just appreciating just how much I really don't know and how much I have to learn. Hey, but that's good. You know, the, the next part of our agenda is to walk through the seven principles for business and life. But you, you pretty much just did that in your story. So folks who are listening, can you be Abraham Rod Rodriguez? No, there is only one Abraham Rodriguez. There's only one man with that smile and that haircut and that talent. But 
if you apply some of these principles that have led to Abraham's success, to the, to the good life that he's living now, if you can pull those principles out and apply them to your life, you can have your own version of a story of fulfillment where you're able to develop yourself and serve others and be rewarded in return. So I want to reflect on a few of those principles. The, the first one, Abe, that came to mind is this idea of thinking long term. You know, entrepreneurs are not just thinking about what's going to be best for them tomorrow, what's going to be uh, the best move to make my business more valuable tomorrow. They're thinking long term. They're making investments for the, for the long haul, which is why you went into business, which is why you chose something like accounting, because you thought that was going to be in your best interest over the long run. Second principle, this idea of thinking like an owner. This is one of my the biggest misconceptions when it comes to school with young people. So many young people act like it's their teacher's job to make sure they learn or their parents' job to make sure they learn. Or they'll go to the workplace and they'll say, well, I never got any training on that. It's my boss's job to make sure I learn. That's not how entrepreneurs think. They take responsibility. They, they think like an owner. They, they're, they're saying, well, nobody's going to benefit from my knowledge as much as, as I will. So I'm trying to develop myself the best I can. Oh, by the way, Nobody will suffer from my foolish decisions as much as me. So I'm going to take ownership in my learning. So Abe finds something he doesn't know, goes and learns it. And certainly he, he partners with folks along the way to learn, but he's the one in the driver's seat on that journey of learning. So Abe, as I, as I think that, we've talked about thinking like an owner, creating a win-win solution through education. So again, He's not just focused on, well, what do I like? I remember going to college for the first time and they said, Joe, here's all of our majors. Which of these sound like the most fun to you? And I almost got duped. They were being entrepreneurial and they were asking me to think like a consumer because these college counselors, they are selling a product. They are trying to sell education. to you. So they're, they're, so they're saying, what would you enjoy, Joe? What sounds fun? Whereas we, I should be thinking not like a consumer, but like a producer. We should be thinking, what do I like? But more importantly, what do other people like? Abraham talked about that with the high demand there was for accountants. So Abraham, our, our next principle is this idea of choosing partners wisely. How did you go about like finding partners to help you learn, whether that's in the workplace or picking professors or choosing which classes to take? You've got options. What was your thought process in choosing partners to help you learn? Yeah. You know, one thought that comes to mind is, and it kind of ties into, uh, I actually didn't start out in accounting. I went to Wichita State having accounting in mind, but really, really seriously considering engineering at the same time. So it was a, a combination of the two. I was freshman year and I, I hadn't quite made my mind up and I knew I wanted to do business. And there was something that was really similar to what I wanted to do in industrial engineering. I remember meeting you, Joe, and, and you were an accounting major at the time. And I can't remember how it all went down, but essentially, I just getting time with you and, and learning a little bit more about uh, what you're about and, and seeing, getting exposed to opportunities. I think you helped me get involved with Big Barton International Group. I got a couple other folks to, to help me go experience a couple of accounting type programs to appreciate and learn more about accounting and, and business and how that plays a role. I just found people that helped me 
appreciate what opportunities existed in that space and clarified for me what that entails, right? I started getting clarity around what does an accountant do? What does an industrial engineer do? And if that helped me get clarity on what I want to do, right? Like it helped me make a decision. And when someone's really honest, was really honest with me and say, do you really want to go do Calc 1, Calc 2, Calc 3 and challenging me on like, is that why you're here? Or are you legitimately just interested in the business aspect? And, and there were several people that I walked that out with who helped me and coached me and helped me really figure out what is it that, and this is what I'll tie it back to, Joe, you asked, the counselors asking, what is it that you enjoy? I think the spirit of that question is deep down inside, what actually will bring you fulfillment and what actually could you tolerate doing, right? Work is going to be work. And there's this reality that it's going to be tough. It's going to stretch you. It's going to challenge you. And deep down, you have to enjoy what you're doing on some level. It's got to bring fulfillment. And people challenging me on, are you sure that's what you want to do? And asking me to be honest with myself ultimately led me to say, I want to stay focused on business. Really, engineering isn't a passion that I have. It's, it's fundamentally business. You know, and, and my experiences and everything I enjoyed, but it, it took people, mentors coming along who didn't just tell me, oh yeah, keep going. The path. They challenged me and they made me stop and think and ask myself hard questions and, and it helped me make better decisions. Abe, I love that. You know, this idea of, you know, asking people to, to challenge your point of view, it's pretty uncommon. You know, the, the prevailing paradigm of our day is you do you, man. You you be true to yourself. Like whatever feels good, go go do it. And for somebody to say, hey, Abe, I think you should maybe real reevaluate the path you're on. That that takes some real love and it also takes some real humility for you to receive that and, and reevaluate. So Abraham mentioned a couple of the pieces to that. There's this trifecta of the three factors that you want to be working together for a successful career choice. What do you like it, to Abraham's point? It's not a bad question. That is one important part. Like what is your passion? What are you willing to go through the hard, long nights to accomplish your goal? What is your passion? Great question. Second thing you want to ask yourself is what do you, what are you good at? Like what do you have an aptitude for? And along the way, Abraham discovers, oh, these things I'm pretty good at. And then that, that third bucket is what do other people value? And when you can find all three of those, what do you like? What are you good at? What do other people like, value, and are willing to pay for? That's that sweet spot in the career decision. I think you're the one who told me this, Joe. You may like it and enjoy it and be really good at it, but if nobody's willing to pay you, that's a hobby. I can't remember the, the, the terms. What was it? Is that it right there? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's not a career. It's a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> a, nothing wrong with having a hobby, but you may not want to spend four years of your life and $40,000 on a hobby. That's a really cheap uh, college degree. I'd say it's north of that now. That's true, man. That's so true. So I'm going to ask you another question, Abe. This is, uh, this is maybe a little bit of poking the bear a little bit. You know, we got a lot of high school students that have a lot going on. They're involved in church, they're running a business, they've got their family, they've got school, they've got sports. Scale of one to 10, how important is high school? Like how important are the classes 
they're taking scale of one to 10. I didn't, I didn't prep you for this question. Yeah. And, and I'll answer it not by answering your question around how important it is and more describing what I realized later in life is that there are so many decisions that I look back on and I reflect on them and they didn't seem very important at the time. But when I look back and I see the trajectory they put me on, they were monumental. They would have put me on a completely different trajectory and the rest of my life would have been different. I didn't appreciate it at the time. And so when you look at high school, the decisions that you make in high school will impact you for 10, 15, 20 years. It will be so hard to reverse some of those decisions or overcome them. Not be fatal, but they will put you on materially different trajectories and you're making those every day and you don't realize it. I'm just saying, I look back and there's these little moments where I said yes to a hard thing or I stuck with the class or I stayed up late and got a good score on that test or took a certain state test seriously or whatever it was. And it made the difference of me doing or not doing something, getting or not getting something. And I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, if I hadn't done that, my life would be very different right now. And so, Joe, less of a scale and more of it's profoundly important and it will impact you for years. Yeah, you're, you're so right. And again, it's this thinking long-term. Some people think that like you, you should get serious about your life when you're older, but actually the decisions you make when you're young actually make a bigger effect. It's similar to if you were investing. The dollars you invest five years ago, they have all this time to grow. It's the same thing with your decisions. When you make good decisions, they, they get compounded benefits over time. And Abe, what I hear you talking about is it gave you options, you know, like that, that chemistry class you took. Maybe you never used it, but getting an A in that class, it gave you options for your future. And, you know, I've talked to a few students say, man, I've got so much going on. And, and to get an A in this class, it's going to take four or five hours of, of homework to, to get a good grade in this class. Is school really that important? And really the question is, well, compared to what? Compared to what? Compared to some quality time with your mom on her birthday? Well, yeah, school's probably not more important than that at the moment. Is it more important than videos on TikTok? You better believe it, right? When you're in high school, there are so many opportunities for waste. If you cut out that waste, you'll have the time to really dedicate to your studies. I would probably say high school is probably an eight out of 10 on, on the important scale. Very important, not the most important. But if you, if you cut out the garbage, you're going to have time to really, really excel. One more piece on that. This whole idea of the earlier you start making good decisions, just a little pro tip. Freshman year is when things get serious. Like that's when your GPA starts to matter. And so every class you take, counts towards your GPA, but the ones you take earlier are actually more important because you get to junior year. And if you don't have a 3.0, you're not eligible for certain programs. You're not eligible for certain scholarships. The grades you get as a senior almost don't matter because your scholarships are already in the bag. So taking those classes early in your high school career seriously is super important. 
one last kind of pro tip there. All classes count the same for your GPA. So if nothing else, get A's in your easy classes. Again, we're wanting to create as much value as we can and then kind of stewarding resources. So if you can get an A on an easy class, do it. And if you really put in the effort and you get a B plus in a really hard class, but you're really learning the material, your GPA is going to be able to handle it. Abe, any other just kind of tips and tricks that, that, that you used going through school to maximize the value and, um, you know, be smart with your limited time and resources? I would say the involvement, obviously, as you think about clubs, make sure that studies aren't the only thing you're involved in. You did mention, you know, running a business, working, you know, running your own business. I think there's value in working that it can't overshadow you serving and being plugged into your school, being a leader. Those things all come together and that you could easily waste all that time on something that doesn't help you connect with anybody doesn't help you network, doesn't help you get new experiences. It's the time that you spend in high school figuring out what is it that you really enjoy that will help you when you go on and you decide, do I want to go into a career right away? Do I want to go get a college education? Do I want to go to trade school? All the experiences you have in high school will help you make better decisions post-senior year in that if you only spent that time on just your studies, like you're only going to get part of that picture filled in. And it's finding people that are doing the things you enjoy and asking them questions, asking them to challenge you, having them help you appreciate what is it that they do every day and going through that with them and visiting them at their job. And that was super helpful for me whenever I was in high school. Yeah, so Abe's hitting on something called experiential learning. You want to like get out there and learn while you're doing. You want to observe and see it, touch it, feel it, smell it. It's this idea of learning happens outside the four walls of a classroom. You own it, go find it, go learn, develop yourself. Abe, but that's a that's a great great example. Well, we've just got a couple of minutes here. I'm going to close things out. Abraham, I'm going to share maybe two final points on my end. I'm going to give it to you for a few final thoughts as well. And then maybe we'll do a couple lightning round questions and get people out of here. But the, the one that I would, I would lead off with here is in the same way that you would make a plan for your business. Nobody is going to give you a loan to start a business or invest in your business without a plan. You should have a plan for your education. So why are you taking this class? What are you planning to take next semester? How can you supplement with mentors and camps in the summer and college classes and all the rest? You should be making a plan for your education. And this is a great time of year to do it. Many of you, your schedules are not completely set. There's still time to switch classes. If nothing else, you should be planning ahead towards next semester. And so make a plan for your education the same way you'd make a plan for your business. And keep principle in mind. How can you create a win-win? How can you be others focused and people smart? How can you be hungry to create value and eliminate waste? All of those things. So first thing I would mention is making a plan. And then secondly, I would say, make sure you are seeking wisdom from wise mentors. Sometimes people ask the question, if you could choose an exciting class title or a really great professor, which would you choose? 
Would you rather have an awesome professor teaching a boring class or a boring professor teaching an awesome class? I, for one, have found it's all about the instructor. Do they have wisdom? Is, are they somebody that you can sit at their feet and learn from? If they're wise, they can make any subject really valuable. And so make sure you're learning from wise people. There are so many foolish people out there who stand in front of you and, and say they are uh, an educator. And many are educating you in foolishness. So make sure you're looking for people that are applying principles that lead to success, that have integrity, that have humility, that have ambition, that are, are really living their lives in an exemplary way. That's going to be a great tip for maximizing your education. Abe, other thoughts that you would kind of close people out with? Yeah, Joe, and that, that learning, really, I just want to stress, when we talk about education, it's it's learning a skill set, and it doesn't always look like reading a book or poring over a textbook or sitting in a classroom. Some of the best education I received was partnering with people who helped me experience things and I spent a summer, you know, putting up irrigation pivots in the middle of cornfields and wheat fields. And I learned, right, my education very quickly. I don't want to do that the rest of my life. It might pay right now, but I can't do it forever. And I don't know that I really enjoy baking in 110 degrees. I worked for a mason working on cement and I learned how to make a stucco, how to put up stucco and you know, pour cement and, and make cement. I learned a lot, but I also learned that's not what I want to do the rest of my life. I spent time with the welder, putting up fence, fixing trailers. And you know what? Wearing a leather apron, massive gloves over a hot torch in a hundred degree day in the middle of Western Kansas is no fun. I learned I don't want to do that the rest of my life. I spent some time with an architect. You know, as he worked on his computer designing and building, and I learned something about myself. I'm not very good at designing homes. I can make double wides all day long, but for some reason could not make a really beautiful house. I may have enjoyed it, but I wasn't very good at it. But it took working with this architect and getting some opportunities. Uh, just these different things that I got to do that helped me learn new skills but even though I learned the skill, I realized that's not what I want to do. And it was until I got this opportunity to work with this dealership where I got to experience what it took to start a business, start a shop, start a graphics printing company and, and the things that went into it. And I found that sweet spot. And about the same time, like I said, I was entertaining engineering and working with different people. And I learned through all that process a lot of what I didn't know about. And I realized I don't know certain things. And the more you learn, the more you realize you have a lot more to learn. And you just got to pick, like, where do I want to go? And when you take that approach, your education starts taking a different form because there is a difference between you going to a class and memorizing information to going and learning and building knowledge. Right, that you're going to use, that you're going to turn into skills, that you're going to use to create value to help other people and to serve them. 
Abe, I love the way you've, you've worked in those, those principles into that advice. What I'm hearing here is almost this, this cycle of being people smart, understanding like what do people need? And you get in there and, and you try to fill that need. And then you see, oh, wow, I've got a lot to learn. So you embrace humility and which makes you hungry to get better and serve more people and hear what they need and get the feedback, which makes you, oh, I've got more gaps. I need to be humble and I need to be hungry and get better. And then you have this cycle of being people smart and humble and hungry and all of these things keep circling back together. That's so good. On that note about being people smart, I'm just going to kind of work in a little bit of a pro tip here. All right. Think about the mutual benefit, the win-win between you and your teacher. All right. They're human beings too. I can tell you, I can vouch for that. My wife is an educator. My mom and dad are educators. My sister, my father-in-law, these teachers are people too. So how can you be people smart with your teacher? Well, here's, here's one little tip. Show a little bit of enthusiasm. Show that you're excited to learn and your teacher will love you. Even better, ask for advice. Hey, hey, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, I'd love your advice on something. They will love you. Or maybe even better, ask them for help. Hey, Mr. So-and-so, I've got a B minus in this class right now. I want to learn. What should I do to get that from a B minus to an A? When you include them in the problem-solving process, they will literally love you. People enjoy helping other people. That's why they became teachers. So if you show little people smarts, you show enthusiasm for what you want to learn, you show humility by asking for advice, and uh, you show that you're hungry by showing that you're willing to do more, that all by itself can really help you improve your grades. I like it, Joe. One more thing. Not all skills pay the same. You know, and so there's this reality that someone will pay you a different amount if you're putting up a fence versus if you're putting together their will or handling their finances or helping them stand up a database or build a house for them. Like, like all these things, like there is a difference between what someone's willing to pay you for a particular skill set. And there is a difference with how many people will compete with you with that similar skill set. And so as you think about your education, I said, you could go learn outside of four walls, but chances are there are fewer people that are willing to go get that four-year degree, get that specialized skill set, develop themselves, be humble enough to go pursue a new skill set they don't have today, and then use that to create value. And there's a lot of demand for a particular skill set. You can command a higher salary. When everybody's lining up to do something, you've got a lot of competition, and that's going to drive the price down. And so you want to be thinking about, again, like an entrepreneur and thinking about who is my competition how much do my customers value this skill set? And am I willing to go do and to the work that it need that I need to do to go deliver this product and do it for a long term, right? Because you want that to create value for you long term as well. Hey, that's a great note to end on. Applying this business-like approach 
to your education, being a lifelong learner, thinking win-win, finding good partners, being humble, hungry, and people smart, taking ownership. Abe, thank you for sharing this with us today. Students, the next step is you have an opportunity to show up Sunday afternoon. We're going to be at Wichita State for a meetup. We're going to have some business games. We're going to have some fun. We'll be hanging out together. We'll have an opportunity to to go one-on-one and talk about your class schedule, help you actually create a business plan for your education. So join us Sunday afternoon, 4.30 at Wichita State. And I imagine that somebody like Abraham, if you ask, might even take you out to coffee, take you out to lunch and spend some one-on-one time helping you to apply some of these principles. Let's end it on this. And then Abe, I'll give you the last word. We'll get out of here. Your gifts were given to you for a reason. To whom much is given, much is expected. And we hope that you will take that approach for your own benefit, but also for the benefit of others. Abe, anything else as we as we end off here? Yeah, I'm just thinking about Jesus' encouragement to his disciples, right? Whoever will be the greatest among you must be the servant of all. It comes down to humility and being willing to serve your neighbor. And when you do that, you do that in an excellent way and it meets a real need. You're creating value and that that's at the core of what an entrepreneur is. So pursue things that are going to create value for others and not just yourself. Indeed. Hey, thank you again. Guys, go make it happen. Hope to see you on Sunday. Take care.